From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jared J.B. Boyd. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we're celebrating Harold Bean, Bobby Manuel, and Charles Skip Pitts, the Stax Masters of Soul Guitar. Grammy-nominated blues man Guy Davis will be with us to deliver an installment of the Blues Hall of Fame, an exploration of the lives of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame here in Memphis, Tennessee, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, JB. This week, we're showing love to a surprisingly unprecedented instrument in the Memphis soul story, the effervescent and exuberant sound of Stax guitars. You got that right, but we aren't just pointing to any and all Stax guitars, as there be many to name, but we're flashing back to a 2019 evening of intimate tunes at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music that honored the work of three very special guitarists and their axes, which went on display in the museum. If we were to dig way deep down in the bag of Memphis music history, many fantastic guitarists could be noted as masters of soul guitar. We, of course, would nod to the likes of Steve Cropper, Maven Teeny Hodges, Michael Tolles, and others. With all those luminaries in mind, the event we're sharing with our listeners today focuses on three names the uninitiated may not know as well. Harold Bean, Bobby Manuel, and Charles Skip Pitts, each of whom contributed separate and significant efforts to Stax's later period. And for all of you Memphis music fans, when we talk about soul music, why do we say the guitar is, you know, unprecedented? Well, you know, I might be a little biased, but... When we talk about soul music in Memphis, we so often talk about the organs from Booker T. Jones and uh, Reverend Charles Hodges, or maybe even the horns from the likes of, wink, wink, the Memphis horns. And then when we speak of guitars, we often talk about the rock and the blues of the region. But guitarists also had a very significant role to making soul music in Memphis what it is across the globe today. And when we talk about these three-story careers, for Mr. Skip Pitts, Mr. Harold Bean, and Mr. Bobby Manuel, we're talking about three men who had very storied careers on the Stax label and in the years after its initial closing in 1975. It was Skip Pitts who unfortunately was honored in this evening posthumously during the gathering at Stax Museum. And in a similar vein, the performance lives on as an unforeseen farewell to Harold Bean, who passed away just a handful of months after completely wailing away on his guitar in front of the eager crowd that night. Not only did he make the guitar sing while recreating the opening guitar solo to Isaac Hayes' Walk On By, emulating the spirit of his original 1969 take on the song to a T, the 73-year-old did so from a wheelchair, proving that nothing can hold a true soul man back. You know, Pat, I'll never forget being in the house for that one. I actually still get chills just thinking about the circumstance. It doesn't feel real that I even got a chance to witness it. And it's amazing that it's sat in our archives as long as it has. So there's no time like the present to go ahead and share the magical moment with the world. An understated note of the evening was the camaraderie between Bean and Manuel, along with other former Stax Records staffers and affiliates who came to show their appreciation for the both of them. While the two guitarists weren't noted to have crossed paths on song, considering the numerous projects flowing through the Stax family at the time, you could easily notice the respect and admiration shared between them. 
You know, I'm going to add here that I ran into Bobby Manuel. I had lunch with him a few weeks after this event, and he was still on cloud nine. He was still so excited to be a part of it. And originally, he said he wasn't going to be there. He wasn't going to um, be there long for the event. Uh, we had to we had to escort him out, you know? <laughs> he was there when the doors closed. He was very excited. So this evening meant something to everyone who was there. You could see it, you could feel it, and hopefully you will be able to hear it. Here are the Masters of Soul Guitar, live on Bill Street Caravan. Thank you. 
from the Masters of Soul Guitar, live on Bill Street Caravan. Goodbye. 
from an evening dub, The Masters of Soul Guitar, live on Bill Street Caravan. For more info, visit StaxMuseum.com. We'll be back with more music from the evening in just a bit. Up next, Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis takes us through the life histories of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. This segment is brought to you by the Blues Foundation and is also available as a standalone podcast through iTunes. The Chevrolet pulled to the curb and stopped. It was a two-door 54, black, white rag, and white wall tires. It looked as long as a city block with sharp fins on the back. Grimes jumped out of his bedroom window at the sight of the Chevy and ran for it. The passenger door opened. Everybody was jammed in there. Mickey, Frog, Tally, and Floyd in back. Big Ella up front. The bass fiddle practically pushed the back seat into the trunk and rested on the dash between Big Ella and the driver. At the wheel was Rufus Thomas. Welcome to the Bearcats, Rufus announced. He threw the Chevy into gear and swerved into the street. Grimes had to squeeze beside Big Ella in the front seat. We got a young buck, she told the others. Y'all speak correctly. From the back seat, Mickey said, His lean so clean, you could stir cabbage with it. Rufus laughed so loud that the car shook. He slowed down, put his forehead on the wheel, and slapped the dash with his hand. Grimes forced a chuckle. Rufus drove from North Memphis down to Orange Mound. He pulled the big Chevy into the dirt lot behind the brown derby. The Bearcats unloaded and lugged their gear through the unlit yard, spotlighted in the high beams of other cars pulling in. They heard the meh from out of the darkness, and by the flickering light of the parking lot, they saw goats sprinkled all over the yard. Inside, guys rolled dice out of a leather horn straight onto the floor, but there was no time to get caught up in a game. Rufus set everyone up and took a moment with each instrument to show the musicians how to play his songs. Keep yourself in B-flat, Rufus yelled, fingering the keys on Floyd's saxophone and moving on. He picked up the drumsticks and flourished a beat for Grimes. What do you play, Rufus? The drummer asked. I can't play dead on any of them. Just give me a shuffle, Rufus said. That ended the rehearsal. The Bearcats shuffled into the first number. Big Ella took the mic. Rufus is a makeup artist, Big Ella said, half to the crowd, half to the band. He'll stand here and make up songs all night. Big Ella told the audience, Police arrested me for conjuring hoodoo. Rufus asked, Yeah, what was the charge? She said, $500. As the band shuffled, a lady in a sleek black dress caught every eye in the joint as she performed the newest dance. She rocked her hips all the way down to the floor. Rufus followed everyone's eyes and channeled their thoughts. They didn't want her to stop. 
He owed them everything he could do to help. He sang. After the show, everyone packed back into Rufus's car, fitting in the seats around the bass fiddle. Gotta go to work, Rufus said. It's 5 o'clock in the morning, and my shift at the textile mill starts at 6. Grimes asked, Rufus, why you do all this, man? Rufus said, because every time I think I got my ends to meet, somebody come up and move the ends. It's going to be the death of you, Big Ella told him. I'm going to survive, Rufus said. And I'm going to do something recognizable so when I pass off this land of the living, I will be remembered. And after struggling to remain awake for 57 and a half cents an hour, Rufus headed toward his next job, hosting the Sepia Swing Club on radio station WDIA. For Rufus, WDIA made strange connections. The station broke barriers in the outside world. Every DJ was black, every show aimed for a black audience. But the owners were all white, and the DJs weren't allowed behind the glass between the studio and the engineer. The contradiction came to a head, so to speak. The place had only one bathroom. Rufus opened the door and stared into it. it looked pretty much the same as the one in his house. He looked around. Nobody. He thought, I am part of this institution and I'm not gonna go outside anymore. He walked in and slammed the door. And when he stepped back out, Rufus was standing face to face with a guy who was either IRS or FBI. Horn rimmed glasses, skinny black tie, starched white shirt. I'm Jim Stewart, the man said. We listen to you all the time down at the studio. Picking up his chin off the floor, Rufus calmly asked, what studio would that be? Satellite records, Jim said. Brand new. Fact, I brought you this. He handed Rufus a record and his business card. Maybe you could give it a spin? Rufus had the record on the air before Mr. G-Man got back in the car. Rufus watched Stewart flip on the radio. Stewart looked back towards Rufus, nodded his head one time, and smiled. I'm just a fool in love with you. You said you loved me. From DIA, it was time to stop home for a quick bite, then take the Bearcats back out into the night. Though Rufus barely had time to think, much less go to the bathroom, a song had been bubbling in his mind. He thought about bantering with Big Ella on the stage like an old married couple. They always came together at the end, kissed and made up. In his living room, Rufus grabbed a cardboard sign that advertised his show at the Brown Derby. He turned it over and jotted down some verses out of his mind. It was a totally different twist on a duet, unlike anything else on the radio, fast-paced and driving, not sing-songy syrup. Rufus had just a few minutes before he needed to leave again for the next shift. He raced around the house and grabbed up his tape recorder. With no Big Ella around, he needed someone to fill in the female lead and called for his teenage daughter. Rufus put the tape recorder on top of the TV set. He and his daughter Carla stood in the living room in front of the TV, belting out the song like they were on stage. Rufus scattered out the instrumental breaks and soft-shoed in his sock feet while Carla sang. It was a ten-minute masterpiece, and he knew just who to show it to. He grabbed the tape and the business card and hit the door. 
The next afternoon, Jim Stewart called him at WDIA, and in no time, Rufus parked his 54 at the curb outside the Satellite Records studio. It was really an old movie theater. He walked in and looked up at the high, curving ceiling and down across the hard floor that slanted to where the screen used to be. The Bearcats were already there waiting. To their surprise, Rufus walked in with a new female vocalist, his 17-year-old daughter. Grimes smiled at Carla. Are you Big Ella? he asked. Big Ella can tear a house apart, Rufus said, but she don't come across on record. Rufus led the recording session like he directed his gigs. Rufus hummed the melody, clapped the time, and the musicians played it back for him until they got it right. One thing didn't translate from the Bearcats' live act, though. The shuffle. Grimes spoke up. I heard this New Orleans beat they called the heebie-jeebie. He demonstrated, like that song, ooh poop a doo I love it, Rufus shouted. After two takes, Jim Stewart stepped out, holding out a record for Rufus. Maybe you can give it a spin, Jim smiled. Rufus kicked off the next sepia swing hour in grand ceremony. I've been telling you about the big record Carla and I recorded, and we do think it's big. Here it is. Cause I love you. A struggling little music company had its first big hit. It would soon change its name from Satellite to Stax Records. And Rufus Thomas soon worked his last shift at the textile mill. For listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org.
Bill Street Caravan has brought the sounds of Memphis to public radio airwaves for more than 20 years. And now you can see what we've been talking about. Check out our series of digital shorts through our website or go to iListenToMemphis.com. I Listen to Memphis is about Memphis music today, the people who make it, and the places and culture that fuel it. iListenToMemphis.com. Bill Street Caravan is supported by awards from Memphis Travel and Tennessee Arts Commission. We're back, and for those of you just tuning in, we're revisiting a performance called The Masters of Soul Guitar at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music. The event, which featured playing by contemporary Memphis guitarist Joe Restivo, honored Skip Pitts, Harold Bean, and Bobby Manuel. Pitts, who worked closely with Isaac Hayes, was honored posthumously. Both were in attendance to play a bit. While Bain left his tenure as a part of the Stax family to go on to success with Parliament Funkadelic, Bobby Manuel's musical fortunes largely kept him close to home as a studio journeyman. Yeah, you know, as a guitarist, he would notably replace Steve Cropper in a revamped version of the MGs, one that released an album without the leadership or direction of Booker T. Jones. Without his guitar, he's been responsible for numerous production, engineering, and songwriting offerings well up until today. It's funny, I find records he produced on all the time. I handed him a stack of disco singles he had a hand in once, and he had to write those titles down. He faintly remembered them. That's what happens when you're prolific. You got that right. A man of many contributions. Let's get back to the celebration. Here's more from Stax Masters of Soul Guitar on Bill Street Caravan. Thank you. 
I'm gonna start with a very simple question for both of y'all, and I'll start with you, Bobby. How did you get into playing guitar? Um, I wanted girlfriends. <laughs> well, I was a hyper kid, and uh, my mother thought the only way to uh, stop all that stuff was to either take me off sugar or put me in dancing school. So that's where I ended up, and. Uh, from there, you know, rhythm started developing. I got, got to listening to music and stuff. And uh, my mother had, we had a flower shop on Lamar Avenue, 2510. It was a unique neighborhood. Right next door to me lived a, a rockabilly singer by the name of Warren Smith. And uh, he had a song called Rock and Roll Ruby. We used to go and listen after school, you know, walk on, listen to this thing. Loved it. In the back of our property, was another neighborhood, Orange Mound. And uh, Willie Mitchell's mother lived on Hamilton Avenue. So my best friends became his nephews, man. And that's where I first heard the blues. And uh, that's kind of what did it for me, set my heart. Hearing that, and uh, also 19, I think it's 1957, I heard Ray Charles, what I say? And uh, after that, man, it was over. <laughs> It was over. So, you know, during high school, you know, started playing all that. Started playing nightclubs. I was 14 years old playing at the gambling joints in Tipton County. I had a whistle. It was so bad, it'd kill people in there. They made me blow the whistle for the fights. Yeah. yeah it's horrible. It's horrible. But anyway, it's a great experience. And uh, then I ended up at uh, 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 the Club Paradise, which was a premier club during that time. Yeah. About that, where all the top R&B artists came there and played. And I was in the house band. Um, we were on the radio on Saturday nights, and believe me, that was big time. Uh, the bass player in that band was Alan Jones, and uh, he was the auditions manager here at Stax. And uh, he liked what I, yeah, 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 man, some kind of bass player. Uh, so Alan, uh, uh, you know, kept talking about stacks and took me over here and uh, listened to some things at night and hearing the different things they were working on. And eventually uh, uh, an opening came when uh, they needed a second engineer. So I thought, well, the only way I'm going to get in over there, because Cropper was here. I mean, you're not going to walk in and say, Steve, it's my time. That <laughs> wasn't going to happen. So I was hauling amplifiers for Steve, you know. But I knew someday, you know, I'd be able to get in there and play some things and write and uh, to keep this story a little shorter here. Uh, you know, Betty Crutcher approached me about writing songs. And I, at that time, I was engineering, like I said, learning how to engineer. And, uh, I, I would, I, you know, I, I liked it. It was fun. But, uh, boy, music was really the thing. She realized that. She would come get me and she would tell the head engineer, Ronnie Capone, he's writing with me today. You, you're going to have to do something else. And we go write those songs, man. And uh, to this day, I uh, thank her so much. I have a catalog, Stax catalog, because of her. She drugged me out of there and all that. But so I kept engineering and uh, 
and started producing with Duck Dunn of the MGs, and uh, we got a couple, couple acts, started getting some things going, going down to Muscle Shoals, cutting with some of those guys, cutting here, and things started changing. Uh, Steve decided to kind of go on his own, and uh, lo and behold, Al Jackson and Duck asked me to be an MG, and that was, what can I tell you, man? Yeah, that's how I got there. <laughs> well, here. Yeah. Harold, why don't you tell us about how you got, got started playing guitar, because you really learn from somebody else who's really critically important to the Memphis music, Memphis guitar scene. Yeah, I was raised over in South Memphis and Ellison High, went to Hamilton High School. And uh, I just happened to live around the corner from one of the world's greatest guitar players, Larry Lee. Yeah, man. Um, he was about to go off to school to Nashville, Tennessee, to Tennessee State, and he showed me one bar chord. <laughs> and I was so proud of that, I couldn't wait till Larry came home <laughs> for spring break so I could show him Larry. And, and, and the reason he showed me that because I could play Jerry Butler's Your Precious Love. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, uh, he met Jimi Hendrix while he was in Nashville, and they formed the Imperials Band. Of course, I uh, joined the, boy, we had a little local group called the Spades. Bill Cunningham, Butch Merriweather, Charles Ingram, some of you know some of them. And we had a little group around town that sung at talent shows and all. And we came over to Stax. And I ended up working for Miss Axton in the, in the uh, record shop selling 45s. <laughs> and we wanted to audition for Jim. And he said, well, I like the group. He said, but we don't need the guitar player. We got Steve Cropper. We said, hmm. OK, if you don't want uh, all of us, you don't want any of us. So we was, we was just cocky. Later on to find out I played on one of the biggest albums stacks ever had and hot butter soul. Yeah. <laughs> Just shows you shows you how fate works. But anyway, I uh, I came over to Stacks and the first session I think I did was Rufus Thomas. Push and pull, breakdown. Funky Chicken, all the dance songs. I think I made a boo-boo, all of them. <laughs> and gradually ended up in the Stax family as a recording musician. Later on, I recorded for William Bell, Eddie Floyd. And a group of us got together over at National Studio with John Fry, Marv the Great, uh, Marvell Thomas, late Marvell Thomas, Michael Toes was playing keep, uh, guitar. Um, Sidney Kirk was playing keyboards. Willie Hall was playing drums. James Alexander played bass. And the great Isaac Hayes sang. And I played the lead guitar on Walk On By. 
So you both have sort of touched on Isaac, so that was like the fourth question on my list, but since we're already here, let's talk a little bit about Isaac, because both of you played with him right when he was starting to break out as, me, a, as me, a solo artist. Let me say this. Bob, I got to call your ass out. <laughs> here it comes. 25 years later, well, to remind you guys that Walk On By was cut in August 50 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And about 25 years after that, I ran into Bobby Manuel. I guess his conscience must have been bothering him. He said, man, he said, I got to tell you, since the name wasn't on the album, I told everybody I played. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, you did? Did you get any damn money? <laughs> You're wrong for that, you know. <laughs> Here's more from the Masters of Soul Guitar live on Bill Street Caravan. Now I need everybody to get up on your feet. Now, I can't tell you who to 
That was the Masters of Soul Guitar, an evening of performances at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music, recorded in 2019. For more information, visit staxmuseum.com. Bill Street Caravan is supported by awards from Memphis Travel and Tennessee Arts Commission. We like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. You can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use the hashtag #IListenToMemphis. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We'll be back next week, so until then, I'm Pat Mitchell Worley. And I'm Jared Boyd. And you've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Oh,